You are listening to the Fur Road Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God and love people. For more information about Fur Road, visit furroadcc.org. That is F-I-R-R-O-A-D-C-C dot org. Now for this week's message. Good morning, and thank you for joining us as always. Uh, This is our our last week in our our journey through the book of James. Uh, The series has been called Faith in Action, and I hope it's been an encouragement to everyone, you know, truly to to put their faith into action. You know, James James calls us to have an active faith, a a working faith, a a faith that is alive. And, And one of the signs of an active faith is an active prayer life. And James fully understood the importance of of an active prayer life and the power of prayer. In fact, tradition tells us that James was nicknamed Old Camel Knees because of calluses that developed on his knees from kneeling so often in prayer. I think that's so cool. He felt prayer was that important. James was a true prayer warrior. And if James felt that prayer was that important and that powerful, it makes a lot of sense that James would end his book with a focus on prayer. And as you go through this book, you know, there's times, to, to be honest, where you might feel kind of beat up, uh, maybe even a little guilty uh, or even overwhelmed at times. But, but James ends this book remi- by reminding us of the importance and the power of prayer. And so let's go ahead and read our, our last section of James. We're in chapter 5, uh, verse 13 through 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, as even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and, and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the air of their ways will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So let's begin to break this down by, by asking a simple question question is this when should we pray and you you probably know where I'm going to go with this uh, you know this isn't rocket science what we're going to say today but I think it's just good to to work through this kind of like James does so so James gives us several examples of when we should pray and so first of all he says uh, we should pray when when times are tough okay when we're in trouble uh, the the Greek word here for trouble literally means suffering in difficult circumstances uh, once again, James says, is anyone am- among you in trouble? Let them pray. Now, this is not necessarily talking about being in trouble because of anything you've done wrong or, or because God is punishing you in any way or because of sin. Right now, that's not what James is referring to. It's not the kid who's in trouble at school and, and gets sent to the principal's office and is, is praying on the way, please, God, just hope there to be a fire alarm so uh, you know I, I don't get punished for what I did. Um, I think in that circumstance, God would say, hey, you need to face the consequences for what you've done. Um, I may or may not know what it's like to be sent to the principal's office on several occasions in my life, but uh, I'll tell one example. Uh, so I, I grew up with my cousin, Matt. We were born a week apart, 
and uh, we were buddies growing up and uh, did everything together. Uh, in seventh grade, uh, we were in junior high, and we were in the bathroom together, and uh, hopefully it's okay to tell this story, but I, um, my cousin Matt was in a stall, uh, standing up, going to the bathroom, and, and so the door to that stall opened in, and, and so he, he didn't lock it, and so I came up and uh, took the door and started bouncing it against my cousin Matt. And so you can imagine what's going on as he's trying to go to the bathroom. And, and so he's uh, uh, yelling at me, Dan, stop, quit it, stop. And, and, and I was just dying laughing. I, I thought it was the funniest thing ever uh, until all of a sudden I felt this big hand on my shoulder. And it was the principal. And he just said, to my office, Dan. So I we went down to the office, and, and I was trying to say, it's my cousin. We, we, we do stuff to each other. It's okay. And, and uh, he wasn't really buying it, and I think I got to spend a couple days in detention for that one. Okay, so that's not the kind of trouble that we're talking about here. This is a situation where you're, you're facing suffering. Uh, like we talked about last week, you're facing hard times, maybe persecution, because as we talked about, you will face hard times. You are going to have troubles and trials and hardships. The, the early church faced a, a lot of persecution for their faith, and when that happens, we need to pray. You know, really, we have two choices when times are tough, okay? We can either grumble and complain and get mad at God and, and maybe mad at the world, and we can say, I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm so angry. I'm so upset. You know, there's a, a lot of ways to describe grumpy, angry people. Um, maybe some of these describe you at times. You know, grumpy people tend to, to see the bad in, in life instead of the good. Grumpy people tend to, to only see the imperfections in others. Grumpy people tend to be overly critical of everything. Grumpy people tend to be overly sarcastic. You know, I, I fall into that at times. Grumpy people are, are discontent. Uh, grumpy people are easily irritated. Grumpy people are fussy and finicky and, and, and hard to please. And, and grumpy people are crabby and cranky. Uh, grumpy people have an absence of joy in their lives. And it's easy to become that person uh, when times are tough. It's kind of a slippery slope that we can just get into, and it's hard to get out of. So if those words are describing you way more than you would like them to, you can stay there and, and be miserable. Or James says you can take it to the Lord in prayer. Okay, you see, when we're, when we're in trouble, we can take it to God and, and drop it at his feet and realize that, okay, he's in control and, and we need him and, and he wants to help us through our troubles. You know, thinking back to the, the story of Jonah in the Old Testament, you, you can't get in much more trouble than Jonah was in after he ran away from God, ended up in the belly of a big fish, right? Um, that's about as bad as it can get. I, I mean, Jonah's odds of survival were pretty much zero. Okay, he was going to die in that fish, and, and so he was desperate, and, and what did he do? It says he prayed. He, he cried out to God. Jonah 2, 1 and 2 says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and, and you listened to my cry. See, when you're in distress, you can cry out to God. It, it doesn't mean that there's going to be a big miracle every time that we cry out to God, but it does mean that God will hear you and he will be with you through whatever it is you're going through. 
people often say God won't give you more than you can handle and, and I don't think that's necessarily true. I do think sometimes there are things that are more than we can handle on our own but with God's help we can handle anything. You see the difference there. So the first example that James gives for when we should pray is when we're in trouble. Uh, now here's the interesting thing. He also says to pray when things are going well, kind of the opposite side. James says, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Okay, and isn't praising God and worshiping Him a, a form of prayer? Okay, you bet it is. And in fact, it should be a very important part of prayer. It's so important to praise God. That's really where we should start. You know, this is Thanksgiving week, and, and most Christians take time to thank God this week, which is good, and we need to do that. But I think in general, it's easy to forget to thank God and praise Him, you know, every day. You know, when things are going well, or, um, you know, we're cruising along and we forget how much God has done for us, and we begin to kind of take God for granted. And even in the little things, we need to praise God. You know, when you, you have food to eat and, and clothes to wear and shelter over your head and, and, and you have a job um, to provide for you to pay your bills, you know, we need to praise God. God deserves our praise, doesn't he? Remember the, the old back and forth thing when, when I would say, God is good, you say all the time, uh, let's do that, okay, where you're at. God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, okay, so, so you know, we need to remember that. We should pray when we're in trouble, but we also should pray when things are going well. And I think that's uh, the, the probably when we try to focus more on the good things, um, the bad things won't seem quite as bad anymore. Okay, when else should we pray? James says to pray when we're sick. Okay, and this is probably our, our normal go-to time of prayer, but he says, uh, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So this is important. You know, we, when there's physical things going on, pray about it. Now, I don't think that having the elders pray with you is an exclusive recipe for getting well. Okay, don't get me wrong, it's great to have elders pray with you. Uh, I love our elders, but we have to kind of put all Scripture together in this. And, and we see in other places that, that any believer can pray for another person and God will hear those prayers. And so, in fact, in 1 Peter 2, Christians are referred to as a royal priesthood. And, and God is our high priest. And so we're all royalty in God's eyes and, and He hears our prayers. Uh, in the same way, I don't think being anointed with oil is necessarily a recipe that you have to use to, to be made well. The oil talked about here was most likely olive oil and uh, is actually often used for medicinal reasons at that time was one purpose. And, and so there was that aspect to it. And, and so James may be referring to using kind of a combination of medical methods and, and prayer to heal people, which is what we do today, right? We go to the hospital and when we're sick, but, but we also pray about our sicknesses. Uh, there was a cartoon one time, there was an elderly woman uh, who was standing at the church door talking to the pastor, and, and she, she said this to the pastor as she handed him a, a thick manila envelope. She said, my doctor copied my chart, uh, complete with medicines and, and prognosis, so can you just copy it to the prayer list, please? Um, she wanted to make sure that her ailments were covered in prayer, and, and that's good. Um, now, oil was also used in the Bible for symbolic purposes. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was often used for religious rituals and, and to anoint leaders in a symbolic way. And so the symbolism here would be that the oil symbolizes what God is going to do through faith. 
Okay, so there's nothing wrong with using oil. Even today, it can be a, a special thing, a special time, but it's also not a requirement in order to have people healed. But it says the prayer offered in faith can make the sick person well. So that's the part, that in faith. So we need to pray in faith that God makes us well. But, but what does it mean to pray in faith? Okay, and we kind of get this answer, I think, in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So to pray in faith, I think, means, you know, believing that God answers our prayers, that he can. And, and it means to, you know, praying also according to his will. Uh, and here's the hard thing, I think. It, it isn't always God's will to heal people. And I don't always know why, but sometimes he doesn't. And I think it, it mainly has to do with living in a fallen world like we talked about last week. And, and, and so, you know, I don't always think it's, it's a lack of faith if our prayers aren't answered. That's not necessarily the case. I don't think it's uh, because one person prays harder than another person or one person's prayers are more powerful than another person's. Um, I do know that one day there will be no more pain or, or sickness or when Jesus comes back. But right now there is sickness. And, and James says, hey, when you're sick, pray. Go to God with it. He also tells us to pray when we mess up. Okay, this is a biggie. Again, James said, if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So the, the Greek text here literally says, if you constantly have been sinning. And so here's the thing. When we think about sickness, we, we usually think about physical sickness, which we just talked about. But there are other kinds of sickness as well. And this part of the passage is talking about the, the sickness that is inside of you. Okay, this is talking about spiritual sick, sickness. It's talking about sin. James is saying that when we come to God in repentance, we will be forgiven. Okay, we will be healed on the inside. And in the big picture, that's a much more important kind of healing than any physical healing could ever be. Now, it does say that we need to, to go to those we have sinned against, confess our sins to them which is, you know, sometimes a very difficult step. And it might mean swallowing a lot of pride, but sometimes we just need to, to bite the bullet, swallow our pride, and do it. Make it right. Okay, it's the right thing to do. We need to confess our sins to each other. And then there's, I think, an accountability aspect of that too. Um, and then we have a little interlude in our passage. James gives some words of encouragement about prayer and, and how amazing it can be. It's like he's saying this is why it's important. He says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And, and he gives the example of Elijah and, and how powerful his prayers were. Once again, he says Elijah was a human being, even as, as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, I think it's easy to, to read this and think, well, that's Elijah. Okay, he's this great prophet of God. That's not me. I'm just an ordinary person. But I think that's why James was quick to say, hey, Elijah is just a person, just like you're a person. Okay, let, let me give you a little background on the story. It's found in 1 Kings 18 and 19. I think maybe this will give us a little better perspective on Elijah. At that time, King Ahab was the, the king of Israel. And, and Ahab and, and his wife Jezebel had led Israel away from the Lord and, and into the worship of the false god of Baal. And, and God had punished Israel for their wickedness by holding back the rain for three and a half years. And it was a terrible drought. 
And, but God told Elijah, you know, if he went and presented himself to Ahab, he, he would bring rain on the land. And so Elijah got the courage to go talk to Ahab and, and ended up challenging the priests of Baal. And whoever, uh, you know, whoever's God came down and burned up a sacrifice bull, this would be the, the real God. That's how they'd know. And so the priests of Baal, they went first, and, and all day long the priests were, you know, cried out to their God, but no answer came, uh, obviously. But the, there, were, there were 450 prophets of Baal in all, and they were doing all kinds, and they were cutting themselves. And, and at one point Elijah even taunted them and told them, you know, shout louder. You know, maybe your, your God is deep in thought or busy or, or traveling, or, you know, but nothing happened. And then it was Elijah's turn, and, and he prepared an altar and, and placed a bowl on it and even poured four large, large jars of water uh, all over the altar three different times and and so there's water everywhere and he wanted to make sure though that it, they knew this was truly from God and so Elijah prayed to God and God answered his prayer and he sent down fire and and it says he you know burned up the bull the sacrifice the the wood the uh, the stones even and, and even the soil around it and it says it licked up all the water God answered Elijah's prayer. And Elijah had all 450 of the false prophets of Baal killed right after that. He wasn't messing around. So that was all good. But then it didn't rain immediately. And so remember, that's kind of what set all of this in, in motion. There was this drought on the land. And Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel and he waited. And he sent his servant seven times to check for coming rain before they finally saw this little cloud in the distance. It was coming. And before long, it was this great rain, and the nation was saved. Woohoo! Okay, good job, Elijah. Uh, now, I really tell you that part of the story to tell you the rest of the story. Okay, that's the amazing part. But I want you to know that even the great Elijah struggled. Okay, here's the part where we, we see that Elijah was a person with struggles just like we have struggles. You, you see, after Queen Jezebel heard about what happened, she made this vow to have Elijah killed because he had, you know, he'd had all these prophets of Baal killed. She was furious. And, and Elijah heard this and he was scared and he ran for his life. He, he was afraid and, and he was discouraged and, and, and he became even depressed. And he just tried to run away from it all to the point of saying, God, just take my life. I can't handle this anymore. Yeah, I can't do it. Maybe you've been there where it's just been too much for you. And God came along and he ministered to Elijah through an angel and the, Elijah, uh, the angel encouraged him to get up and eat some food. And, and Elijah did eat and he drank and he started feeling better and he regained his strength. You know, maybe you've had that person who has been your encourager when you're really down. Maybe um, you've been that person for others. So Elijah was feeling better um, and he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights, R really, though, still trying to get away from Queen Jezebel. Okay, and he finally came to Mount Horeb, which was uh, uh, also called the Mountain of God, and he, and he hid in a cave. And there on that mountain, God came to Elijah and, and basically said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah basically had this gripe fest. He said, you know, I've done everything I'm supposed to do, and I've told them what I was supposed to tell the people, and they, they still rejected you, and now they've killed all the other prophets, and, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I just can't do it anymore, God. And God said, Elijah, here's what I want you to do. 
go out of the cave, stand on the mountain. And Elijah did that, and, and uh, there was this huge, powerful wind. But God wasn't in the wind. And, and then there was this huge earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And then the, God brought down this fire, this big fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And then there was a gentle whisper, and God was in the whisper. It was like God was saying, Elijah, calm down. It's going to be okay. And, and he gave him instructions. He, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to where you came from, and I will protect you, and, and I will help you. And I'm bringing in reinforcements. Hey, Elisha is on the way. And Elijah listened to him, and soon he began the process of passing on the torch to Elisha. God took care of him. You see, I think God often speaks to us through whispers, through a quiet voice when it comes to prayer. It often isn't through a big, huge earthquake or, or wind or fire, but in quiet, small ways. Guys, God can answer your prayers too, just like he answered Elijah's, because Elijah was a, a person just like we are. He had struggles just like we do. All of us who follow Christ can have prayers that are powerful and effective. You don't have to be a super Christian to have an effective prayer life. And then James gave one more example for when we should pray, and that is when others mess up. Okay, sometimes God uses us to help bring others back to him. Not through judgment, but because we love and care for them. Verse 19 and 20, once again, it says this, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. It's serious stuff when people wander away from God. It's a big deal. It's like people are saying, you know, I've seen everything that is good, but I don't need it anymore. I can do it on my own. It's like saying, I've, I've had steak, but I'm going to go back to just eating hot dogs. Uh, although my mother-in-law would probably pick hot dogs over steak, so it's probably not a good example for her, but you get the idea. And it, it's a sad thing, but this happens a lot. People walk away from God, and, and their faith fades over time. Maybe they start out on fire for God, but the fire starts to burn out. Some of you have been there yourselves. Some of you might be there right now. You have loved ones who are there. You have friends who are there, and it just tears you up. So let me just say, it, it's not hopeless. Keep praying for them. Keep loving on them. Don't give up. Remember the story of the prodigal son who, who walked away from everything he had, but eventually came back to his father, and his father welcomed him home. And it's a story, really, of what God will do for us, too, when we come back to him. So five different times, James tells us to pray here when times are tough, when things are going well, when we're sick, when we mess up, when others mess up. And so really what James is saying here in this passage to kind of wrap this book up is that, that we should pray all the time. And he lived that out. Remember, he was referred to as old camel knees. And there are a bunch of scriptures to back this up. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 simply says to pray continually. Ephesians 6.18 tells us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So when do we pray? All the time, in all situations, in all circumstances. It's part of a faith that is in action. It's part of a live faith. It's part of having a relationship with God. 
And sometimes you might not even know what to say. You know, I would say just be honest with God. Talk to God. Share your heart. One time a father was walking past his five-year-old daughter's room and, and uh, she was praying one night. And, and proudly he noticed that you know, she was, she was on her knees and, and talking to God and, and he, he kind of listened in and, and he heard her kind of giving this curious prayer. She said, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. And she repeated this actually several times. And so when she was finished, uh, he asked her, you know, what, what, is, what did she mean by that prayer? And, and she said, God is really smart. So when I don't know what to pray about, I just say the alphabet and he figures it out for me. You know, sometimes we don't know the, what to pray and the Holy Spirit can help us figure out what to say. You see, God knows our hearts, but he wants to talk to us. He wants to talk with us. You know, it's easy to get so busy with life, we just don't feel like we have the time to pray. And you may have heard this poem before. I want to close with it this morning. The author's unknown. It goes like this. I got up early one morning and rushed right into the day. I had so much to accomplish that I didn't take time to pray. Problems just tumbled about me, and heavier came each task. Why doesn't God help me, I wondered. He answered, you didn't ask. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, Why, child, you didn't knock. I wanted to see joy and beauty, but the day toiled on, gray and bleak. I wondered why God didn't show me. He answered me, but you didn't seek. I woke up early this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. James taught a lot of different practical things through this book. He, he was direct, uh, even a little harsh at times, and, and he emphasized the importance of a, a faith that works. In fact, he said a faith without actions really isn't even a, a real faith. But old Camelonese knew that without prayer, all of the other things didn't really matter. Our lives need to be bathed in prayer. And so this morning, we're going to take some time to pray as a, a, a church. Um, and the cool thing about prayer is we don't have to be here in person. We can do that wherever you're at. And, and so I just want to walk you through um, those five things and take a little time. I encourage you to pray right now where you're at. And so let's, let's go ahead and pray. Let's pray, first of all, when times are tough. You know, what are some things going on in your life that, that are hard, that you're dealing with? What are some struggles? Let's pray about that. Let's pray about things that are, are going well. You know, what are some praises? We have Thanksgiving this week. What are some praises you want to lift up to God? James said to pray when we're sick. What are some, some needs, some physical needs, some people that you know they're sick that you can pray about right now? He says to pray when, when we mess up. Okay, then, and, and the cool thing is we're promised that we will be forgiven. And so what are some things you need to, to bring for, before God? And he says to, to even pray when others mess up. 
You know, who are some people that you know that maybe have walked away from God or, or, or have strayed from God who, who need to follow God? Let's pray about them. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you that we can talk to you. And when you think about it, it's so amazing that, that we get to talk to the God of the universe, that you care about each one of us. And so I, I pray that, that we will take prayer seriously, that we will realize how important it is and how powerful and effective prayer can be. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this book of James that we've been able to learn and grow from. Help us to, to have a faith that's active and alive, including uh, an active and alive prayer life. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining us in this series. Have a great week. Have a great Thanksgiving.